Let's turn over to Mark chapter 4. If you weren't here last night, I started talking about the key to uh, spiritual maturity. And we talked about a lot of different things, but basically I use 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, where it says, all things that pertain unto life and godliness come through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Everything that you need comes through the knowledge of God. And then verse four says, whereby talking about this knowledge is what gave us these exceeding great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And I begin to talk about how that the word of God is the way that his knowledge is imparted unto us. Everything you need comes through the knowledge. It's according to the renewing of your mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. And I used just a lot of scriptures last night. I kept Lori busy trying to keep up with me as I went through these scriptures. And um, anyway, that's what I was talking about. Today, I just want to take some specific things that the Bible teaches about itself. You know, it would be terrible for God to give us this powerful, powerful thing and not give us the knowledge of how important it is and how to use it. This is like the user's manual. The Bible tells us how to use the word to get the biggest profit out of it. And in Mark chapter four, this to me is one of the most important scriptures. I've been teaching on this for 40 something years. This transformed my life. This is one of the first things that God taught me And it has just made a huge difference in my life. But in uh, Mark chapter four, in the first part of the chapter, Jesus gives a parable about a man who is sowing seed. And he just scattered this seed and threw it everywhere. And it landed on four different types of ground. The first one was like a wayside. That means a place where people had been walking and the ground was packed down so hard. It was so hardened that the seed never penetrated the earth and got down into the earth. And so the birds just came and ate the seed and nothing happened. The second type of ground was a place where the seed could get in the ground, but there were so many rocks in the ground that there just wasn't enough earth for the uh, seed to grow up. And so it, it had shallow root system. It wasn't able to survive. It sprung up, but it didn't produce any fruit. The third type of ground was a type of ground where uh, there was depth. The roots could go down, but there were so many weeds and thorns that got in there that it choked the seed. And of course, the ground only has so much nutrients that it can put out. And if you have multiple plants, weeds and things competing for the moisture and the nutrients, it stunts the growth of the plant. And so the third type of ground still didn't bear any fruit because it just didn't have uh, the ability. It was choked out by the weeds. And the fourth type of ground was good ground where there weren't rocks, there weren't weeds, and the seed produced 30, 60, and a hundredfold. So that's the parable that Jesus gave. And his disciples, after Jesus gave this parable, says, why are you speaking unto them in parables? And anyway, there's a great lesson in that. But let me just read to you one verse that he said right at the end of this explanation. In Mark chapter four, in verse 13, he said unto them, know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? This is just a way of Jesus saying that if you don't understand this parable, you won't be able to understand any parable. You won't be able to understand any 
of the teachings of Jesus. And I could also take other things and show you this same uh, principle that I'm going to be talking about this morning. There are many times that the Lord said, this is how the kingdom works. This is how things work. This is the explanation. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Rosetta Stone, but I remember in high school when I studied uh, in high school that they talked about the Rosetta Stone and they found all of these Egyptian uh, you know, monuments and all of the pyramids and everything. They're just a wealth of archaeological material, but that nobody could read hieroglyphics. They couldn't break it. And so because of this, there was all of this writing, but nobody could read it. And then they found this stone called the Rosetta Stone. And there were three languages on this Rosetta Stone and they all said the same thing. Two of the languages were known languages and the third one was hieroglyphics. So all they were able to do, they read the, the copy in these known languages and then took that and they broke the code and were able to understand hieroglyphics and it opened up all of Egypt's treasures to them and it was called the Rosetta Stone. And this has become a name now that we use for all kinds of things. Matter of fact, they have a language speaking thing now that they call the Rosetta Stone and it's the key to deciphering languages is what it's talking about. It just is, uh, it's a symbolism for this is the key that unlocks everything. And this is what Jesus is saying about this parable. This is the parable that if you understand what he's saying in this parable, it'll unlock the kingdom to you. It'll unlock the word of God. It'll show you how the kingdom works. And since the Lord has shown this to me, I guarantee you this is something that I go back to over and over and over and over again. And it is a major key in receiving revelation from the word of God. So Jesus gave an interpretation of this parable starting here in Mark chapter four and in verse 14. And he said, the sower sows the word. Now I could spend an hour on this in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to spend an hour on it, but I would love to, because this is so powerful and people just skip over this, but there is a reason why he chose a seed to illustrate how the word of God operates. He's really not talking about farming. He's just using a seed and how it functions to illustrate how the word of God works. Now, this is really important that you get this point. If he would have chosen something else, like say, for instance, if he would have said the word of God is like when you go to school. Did you know that there might've been some comparisons, but it wouldn't have been a perfect comparison because you can cheat the system. You can look on your neighbor's paper over here and copy the answers. You can cram for a test the night before a final and you can stay up all night long and you can get things stored in your short-term memory and yet never have really learned it. And you can pass a test, but you didn't get it. Matter of fact, many of you sitting right here did that when you were in school and you passed the test. And if you were to be given the test that you passed when you were in high school, you'd flunk it today because you did not learn that material. All of us have beat the system. See, if you talk about any social system and use it to illustrate how the kingdom of God operates, those things can be cheated. They can be broken. But when you talk about a seed, you can't cheat a seed. You can't cram for a harvest. I actually knew a guy who tried that. There was a guy named Billy Bob. 
who was in one of my uh, Bible studies. And this guy, he got born again. There is a William Billy Bob that's here at these meetings. I'm, here he is right back here. William Billy Bob right there. But this guy was named Billy Bob and he had gotten born again. And he was so excited about the Lord that he just started making the, the full gospel businessman circuit and giving his testimony. I mean, he'd been the worst sinner in the entire county. And when he got born again, everybody knew about it. So he started traveling and giving his testimony and he was so excited and he was so busy traveling for the Lord. He just suspected that the Lord would take care of everything for him. So he didn't plant his wheat when he was supposed to. He was out holding a full gospel businessman's meeting. And he waited until the week before wheat harvest. The week before wheat harvest. Everybody else's wheat was up and it already turned golden and everything. And they were getting ready to harvest it. And he went and bought half a million dollars worth of wheat seed. And they didn't sow their ground, you know, in acres. They did it by sections. He had something like 10 sections, 640 acres per section. And he sowed something like 10 sections of land with wheat the week before weed harvest. And when it didn't come up and he lost his money and the bank was coming to collect and he was about to lose everything. He came to me and he says, why didn't it work? I was out doing these things for God. But see, you can't just wait until the week before weed harvest and pray over it and plant it and get your crop. There is a time to plant and a time to reap and you can't cram for a harvest. One of the reasons that God used the seed is because this is just the way it is. And you may not like the way it is. You know, you might think it would have been a lot easier if God just told us to plant in the summer. I think it would be better to plant in the summer, but it's not up to you when you plant. God established laws and you have to plant when it's the right time to plant and you have to give it time to grow and you have to give it moisture and you have to give it the right temperature. And if these things don't happen, it doesn't work. And they're just laws that govern how it works. And you may not like the laws. You might want to go on a vacation, amen, and you don't want to plant, but it doesn't matter. This seed doesn't give a rip. It doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter what country you live in. Seeds don't go by what kind of person you are. They're just, this is the way it is. God created it. And if you're going to get a seed to work, you're going to have to cooperate with the laws that govern the seed. The reason God chose a seed to illustrate the word is because this is just like this. It doesn't matter male or female, black or white. It doesn't matter what country you're in. It doesn't matter what your education is. You don't have to be a good person, a bad person. A seed will work for anybody if you'll follow the laws that govern a seed. Well, this is really, really, really important. Like I said, I could stay on that a lot longer, but there is a reason that he chose a seed to illustrate how the word of God works. There are so many people that come to God and they, they're serious. They're sincere. They mean it with all of their heart. They beg, they plead, they cry, they pour out their heart. They just turn themselves inside out. And I mean, they're for the first time in their life, they're as serious as a heart attack. They mean it with all of their heart. And they just can't understand why God didn't answer their prayer because they were serious and they prayed with all of their heart. But did you plant the seed? Most people see don't go by this. Most people, but 
my heart was right. I believe that God, if he was really a loving God would do this. Well, that's like the person that sits there and goes out and lays on the ground and prays over the ground. And I mean, they mean it with their whole heart, but if you don't plant a seed, nothing's going to grow in that ground. You don't get crops growing by prayer. You can fertilize, you can water barren ground, but it won't grow anything. You got to plant a seed in there and you could be the nicest person in this auditorium. You could mean well, you could go out and pray over that ground every day. You could fast, you can do anything you want to do, but if you don't plant a seed in the ground, it won't grow anything. That's just how it works. And we've got Christians that haven't planted the word in their heart. They don't know what the word says. They aren't meditating in the word day and light, like Joshua chapter one, verse eight and nine talks about. They aren't doing what the word says, but they're sincere. They mean it with their whole heart. They're in a desperate situation. They need God and they just can't understand why God isn't coming through. That's just like the person who's praying over the ground and can't, they get mad at God because nothing grew and yet they never planted anything. You prayed. You fast, you do all kinds of things, but you didn't plan anything. In the natural, we'd look at a person like that and say, that is crazy. And yet in the spiritual realm, there are Christians all of the time that are not sowing God's word. They aren't meditating on the word. They don't know what the word says. And they're just expecting something to happen miraculously. And they get mad at God if it doesn't happen. Before I get back to my point, let me just take a little side trip briefly. (laughs) And say this, some people are sitting there thinking, well, I know somebody who they didn't meditate in the word and they didn't pray and they just went and had somebody pray over them and they got healed like that. And they didn't go through all the stuff you're talking about. That does happen. And you know why it happens? God gave certain people to the body of Christ, people that have the gift of miracles, the gifts of healings and things like this to help people when they don't have the word of God planted in their heart. And the reason he did it was because let's say the person comes forward today to get born again and they've only got one week to live. They're just in the last stages of cancer or something. They've only got a week to live. And yet it's going to take you a year or two years to renew your mind and take the word and plant it in your heart and overcome this. And you've only got a week to live. Does that mean that that person is just destined to die because they haven't got time to sow and then wait and then reap a harvest? No, God out of his love provided people in the body of Christ that have an anointing on their life that you can get healed in a sense off of their faith. Now it takes some passive faith on your part, but uh, you can get healed off of these supernatural ministry gifts. And God did that because he loved us and wanted to provide and help. But what's wrong is that the body of Christ as a whole, this is the only way they can receive from God. They don't know how to stand and believe God. The body of Christ has been conditioned to just run the people with these supernatural giftings and try and get a healing. And some people do get healed that way. But I've been in Benny Hinn services. I used to usher in Catherine Kuhlman services. And if you've been to those, even though there might be 50 or 100 people that get healed, there were thousands of people that needed to be healed. I remember in Catherine Kuhlman services, we used to have wheelchair sections of 200 and 300 people and you'd see two or three get healed. And praise God for the two or three that get healed. But what about the hundreds that didn't? And Catherine Kuhlman's own 
confession, she said that 90 to 95% of all the people that got healed in her meetings lost it within five years. And the reason was because God never intended for people to get healed that way on a regular basis. It's just a temporary measure to help you while you are learning these principles of how to plant the word and operate in it. And you can run and get some help, but he never intended for you to get to where you bootleg the gospel or bootleg healing off of other people. You are supposed to be able to get the word and get healed yourself. And the problem has been that the body of Christ doesn't know how to minister healing to themselves and know how to receive it personally. And so they have to run to somebody else to get them to wave their hand over them. Some people can get healed that way every once in a while, but I'm telling you that that is the exception. It is not the rule. You can't depend on waiting on somebody to come through town that has the anointing. And even if they have it, there's only going to be a small percentage of the people. The Lord didn't make provision for the whole body to be healed and received from God this way. God made provision for every one of you to be able to take the word of God and walk in the power of God and see the miraculous. And if you aren't going to mature and take your responsibility and do this, then you might be, it's like the winning the lottery. You might be the one lucky person who gets it, but I guarantee you, you can't depend on that. That was not the way God intended it. This is how the Lord intends the kingdom to work. This is how the kingdom works. It's like a seed. And so then he gives four different types of people who received this seed. Let me just point out a couple of things before I get into this. The seed was the same in every situation. Over in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. The word of God is an incorruptible seed. If you plant seeds in the ground, not every seed works. Sometimes seeds will get rotten And for whatever reason, it won't work. But the word of God is incorruptible. There is no such thing as a bad seed from the word of God. So this is important that you understand. The variance in these instances wasn't the seed. It was the heart that it was planted in. The word of God has the exact same potential for every person in this room. This is important that you get this because again, our life experience is that some people are just more productive than others. Some people are more talented than others. Some people are smarter than others. Some people, it just seems like everything works. And really there are people sitting in this room that you have embraced and accepted that I'm just a dud and that things don't work the same for me as they work for everybody else. There are some of you that because of your education or lack thereof, you just learn to accept second best. There are some of you that because of the color of your skin or because of, you know, being rejected by somebody when you were a child or abused, you've accepted things and you just don't see yourself the same as everybody else. And so you just, you don't believe that things work the same for you as they do for everybody else. I'm telling you that when it comes to the word of God, The word of God is incorruptible. There is nothing wrong with the seed. It is only your heart that determines whether or not this seed works. It has the exact same potential. And man, this really, it really, really encouraged me. It's not the ground 
that is so important. The seed is what important. All the ground does is just provide a habitat for the seed. All you do is nurture it and protect it. And if you will do that, the word of God will transform you physically, emotionally, financially, in relationships. The word of God will literally transform your life. If you would take this seed and put it in your heart and not allow Satan to steal it from you. Boy, that's powerful. And I can't tell you how encouraging this was to me because I was one of those. It was just a dud. Amen. I I didn't have, I didn't hate myself, but I was always mediocre. I never did anything the best. I never did it the worst. I was just always mediocre. And it seemed like I could always find a way to ruin something. I remember I was the first string center on the team when it came to punts and things like this. Cause man, I was accurate. I was good. I was good at it, but you know what? Under pressure, our division, uh, playoffs, we were playing for the division team and we were backed up to the goal line and I centered the ball over the guy's head into the end zone. The opponent opponents, uh, recovered it and won by two points that I gave them when I centered the ball over their head. I did that. I just had a way, a knack of doing things like this. Made me really popular in the high school. I just had an ability for doing things like that. Some of you are like this and it just encouraged me to so much to find out. And I, I'll, I'll mention this more, but you know, if you look through all of these, you know, the difference between the seed, the ground that produced a hundredfold and the ground that didn't produce anything. It wasn't that the ground that produced the most had more. It had less, less hard packed ground, less rocks, less weeds. And I thought, man, if this is what it takes to be fruitful in the Christian life is to be less, I can be less. I may not can be more, but I can be less. Amen. That was so encouraging to me. This just really gave me hope that praise God, I can, I know how to be less. That is awesome. This ought to encourage you. The word of God is so powerful. You know, this is how he spoke the worlds into existence. I came across a scripture just recently in the, in Psalms. I'd have to find it. It's in the first 20 some chapters of Psalms. And it says out of his mouth, he spoke the sun and the moon and the stars. And I got to thinking about the sun being how big it is and how hot it is. And that came out of his mouth. He spoke it into existence. Can you even get a grasp on something like the sun coming out of God's mouth? His words are awesome. And he has given us these words. There is so much power in these that if we could mix them with faith, it says in Hebrews chapter four, verse two, that the word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The word has to be mixed with faith to release its power. But if you could believe this, this word that spoke the worlds that created the sun and all of this, that power could begin to start working in your life if you'd mix it with faith. Boy, this is powerful. This seed is an incorruptible seed. There's not a person in here that has any need that a seed from God's word wouldn't fix your problem. But most people... 
aren't taking the seed and planting it and nurturing it. They're wanting someone to just pray over them, wave their hand, or they're wanting to fast and pray and spend a day or two seeking the Lord instead of a whole lifetime just living in the Word of God. And it doesn't work that way. And there's frustration abounding and people are so disappointed and they can't understand why things are happening. But again, I I wouldn't have any pity on a person who won't plant a seed and yet prays for a harvest. I just think you need to get, you need to get a clue. You just don't know. And in a way, I feel the same way for Christians. They're just sitting there wondering why nothing's working. And yet they don't know what the word says. They aren't standing on the word of God. They don't understand the principles of the word of God. It's not going to work that way. So the very first type of seed is in chapter uh, four, verse 15. It says, these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. Hold your finger here in Mark chapter four, but turn over to Matthew chapter 13. And let's read this out of a different gospel. It's the exact same instance. If you read it, he, he gave the parable and this is the interpretation of the parable. So this is the same thing just recorded in a different gospel. Matthew chapter 13 and in verse 18, it says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So this is the exact same thing that was said in Mark chapter four, but it just phrases it a little differently. And it specifically says that it's about people who understand it not. Those are the one that Satan comes immediately and steal, steals the word away out of their heart. The only person that Satan has complete access to, to just steal the word and to keep it from working in your life is people that don't understand it. So therefore, understanding is the very first step in getting the word of God working in your life. If you don't understand it thoroughly, Satan can steal the word from you. And man, I could stay on this for days because again, there uh, are a tremendous amount of Christians today that it's not about understanding. And you know, in a sense, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are the ones that came out on Friday morning to hear a teacher. And so you guys have a desire to know the truth and seeking this And so this may not be typical of this group as much as it is to some others, but in the body of Christ as a whole, did you know that most Christians, it's all about feeling, it's about emotion, it's about hype, it's about all kinds of stuff. I actually had a friend of mine one time that got up in a Pentecostal church and he had just come to realize that he had just been preaching emotion and it was all religious. It was all hype. There wasn't any substance to it at all. And he had gotten so convicted over it that he got up in front of his congregation and he got up and he goes, Mary had a a little lamb and he started preaching it. And I feel the anointing. And people started running and jumping and rolling in the front floor. And he went through, Mary had a little lamb and preached it in the religious style that they were used to. And people were shouting and running and falling out. 
and he stopped in the middle of it and he says, you bunch of hypocrites. I just quoted, Mary had a little lamb and you're preaching. You're acting like it was the Holy Ghost. You're just religious. <laughs> and I can guarantee you, brothers and sisters, there's people today that they go to church and and they don't get anything except religion and it's all emotion. Or there's other people on the other side of the scale that it's all high church. You got to have stained glass and you got to have a pipe organ and you got to have the choir wearing robes. And you just feel special when you have all of this. And we're into so much stuff that has nothing to do with nothing. It's just religious. It's just religious. I have one of the most common comments that we get. People say, I passed you by for months because you're just sitting there. You weren't screaming. You weren't excited. You couldn't be anointed. And they just passed me by. And then eventually they just, for whatever reason, stopped. I had one woman ride in and she was shelling peas. And when her favorite program was over, I came on and she didn't want to get up and change the program to the channel. So she sat there and listened and she says, man, it changed my life. And they get to listening to the word of God and find out that it's, there's something in it that's going to change them. But you know what? There's a lot of people that don't like my style because I'm not religious and I don't follow a lot of the forms that people are used to. The average person does not know very much. They go to church and they get all of this excitement and emotionalism and all of these things. And I was watching a TV program recently and they were all sitting down and they were doing an interview. And I'm not going to mention names because you'll know who I'm talking about. But they were doing an interview. And in this interview, one guy, oh man, that's good. And then, oh, I feel the anointing. And then he couldn't stay seated anymore. And he got up and he started walking and, oh, it's on me. It's on me. He says, oh, what I'd give for somebody to play the organ. And somebody runs up and jumps on the organ and they start playing the organ in the background so that every time he said, Holy Ghost, they'd go on the organ and do all of this stuff. And it would have been funny if it wasn't pathetic. It was pathetic. It was unreal. And I just thought, my God, if I wasn't a Christian and saw this, I wouldn't become one. (laughs) Am I saying that that stuff is of the devil? No, it's just flesh. It's just carnal. I'm not saying that it's of the devil, but I'm saying that that is not going to give you the revelation that you need. And this is where the vast majority of Christians live is in some type of hype, emotionalism, their form, they're religious, but they don't know the word of God. There might even be some truths spoken, but if it's not explained, Satan comes immediately and steals away the word that was sown in their heart. And so people don't ever have the power of God planted in their life and they don't grow and mature because they don't understand it. And then we have a lot of people that will proclaim something. We have preachers and there's a place for this. There is a place to stand up and just proclaim that God wants you well. It is God's will for you to receive salvation. It is God's will for you to prosper. Those things are good, but that doesn't explain anything. It's only when you understand that the word of God gets down on the inside of you until you understand it, Satan will steal. 
Now there is a place for somebody to stand up and proclaim, like for instance, have a crusade and tell people that Jesus is real and that he wants to move in your life and come forward and get saved. There's a place for that. But then we ought to put even more emphasis on now that you've made a decision, let me disciple you and teach you the word of God or Satan will come and steal this from you. You know, here in the South, I don't know the percentages, but I bet you, you could walk out on the streets here and talk to nearly anybody here. And they've been in church. They have been exposed to the gospel. Many of them have quote unquote been saved, whether it was genuine or not. They have exposure to religion and yet they're living in sin. They're living in rebellion. They're defeated. They're poor. They're sick. They're miserable because Satan has just stolen the things from them because all they've been exposed to is religion and not the word. They haven't had it explained to them. Thank you for that one amen, Debbie. That's true. And this is why there's so many people that go through our religious system. And yet you could take a quote unquote Christian and stand them right beside an unbeliever. And they would be just as sick, just as poor, just as affected by the recession, just as scared by everything that's going on as the person who's supposed to be. I mean, there's, if most people were arrested for being a Christian, there wouldn't be enough evidence to convict them. There's just no difference much. And why is that? There should be a huge difference between a person that knows God and a person that doesn't. A person that knows God is alive. The other person is dead. You should be able to tell a difference between the two. Man, many of your churches, you could go into there if you called 911 because somebody died, they'd have to take out half the people in the church before they found the dead person. There's very little difference. You know why that is? Because they don't understand the word of God. And those are the one that Satan comes and steals the word. So understanding is paramount. You not only got to say it's God's will to be well, but then you got to explain how is it then that I get healed? If it's God's will, then why isn't everyone healed? How come this happened? You got to explain. People have to understand. And if they don't understand, Satan steals the word from them and steals their harvest. This is why we have children's ministry. It's not because it takes a different anointing for kids than it does for adults, but it has to do with understanding. You can't teach a child on the same level that you can teach an adult because they don't have the understanding. So you get down and you teach the exact same things, but you just put it into things that they understand. You explain it in terms that they understand. You use words that they know. It all has to do with understanding. You've got to present the word so that people can understand it. I was raised in a highfalutin Baptist church where we were over by Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And the people that filled in the pulpit when our pastor was gone were the doctors of divinity from uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I remember that... Man, I'd go in there and when you had one of these doctors come in, they would pre and you would have to sit there with a dictionary to look up and follow what they were saying. They used words that nobody knew what they meant. And they thought that this showed they were really deep. You know what that shows me is that you are really carnal. You're trying to get people impressed with who you are. A really good communicator is a person that can make it so simple that a third grader could understand this. 
And people who want to talk in ways that it goes over the head of many people. And sure, people will leave and say, wow, wasn't that deep? What that means is I don't have a clue what he was talking about. Amen. That might make that person look good and people might talk about him, but it's not, the word of God's not going to work in people's lives unless they can understand it. You got to explain the word. You got to make it simple. If you don't understand it, Satan steals it from you. So you've got to get understanding. Proverbs talks about wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. You've got to understand the word of God. And this is what a teacher is all about. And I may be prejudiced, I admit, because this is my main gift, but we don't have enough teachers. We got lots of people that proclaim, but not very many people that explain. And because of it, there's not understanding and Satan is stealing the word of God from people. You've got to understand. If you don't understand, it's like the seed that fell on hard packed ground. It never penetrates. Your understanding is how you get the seed below ground level and into your heart. Understanding is the gateway to you. If you can't understand it, you can't do it. You've got to understand. And I tell you, we need more people that will take the word of God and explain it and get the revelation. And I just can't help but put in a little plug here. This is what our Karis Bible College is all about. I tell you what, it it will give you an understanding of the basic doctrines of the word of God and get you started. And we see it just transform people's lives. I literally can see the lights come on on the inside of people while I'm talking. You can see that it's just like they're getting it. When a person understands the word of God just begins to work in their life. Boy, this is powerful. And brothers and sisters, there are some people in this room that you love God. You've had an experience with God. You desire for God to move in your life and you desire good things, but you don't have a clue. You don't understand even the simplest things. Like I was talking about last night, a person saying that somebody prophesied to them that God made them sick. That is wrong, 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 wrong. And yet I would say that's predominant in the body of Christ that Satan is convincing people that it's God wants you to be sick. If that's what you think, you you hadn't even got to first base in understanding God yet. That is elementary stuff. There are people that believe God wants you to be poor, to teach you something. And on and on. There's just so many wrong conceptions. There's people that believe that God controls everything sovereignly, that God is sovereign and nothing can happen without either him doing it or allowing it. That is wrong. That is not what the word of God teaches. I know some of you probably are just shocked because this is so prominent in the body of Christ today, but I tell you, it's not accurate. If, unless you get the right understanding, Satan is going to steal the word from you. And this is exactly why so many people aren't seeing the power of God is because they're thinking wrong. Wrong thinking produces wrong believing. You got to get your thinking straightened out. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. You've got to think properly. You got to get your mind renewed by the word of God. Boy, that is really powerful. So the very first person is a person that the word never even really penetrated them. They were just sitting there 
and nothing happened because they never applied their heart. They never understood the word, never even had a chance. That's a shame, but that is that descriptive of a huge portion of the body of Christ, a huge portion. And our religious system doesn't even try any disciple people. I don't know if you saw my programs about a year ago, but I had a whole series that I did for nearly two months on the difference between evangelism and discipleship. And the Lord called us to make disciples, not to make converts. The church has been making converts. We've been having people pray a prayer and say that they're Christians. And then it's kind of like, you know, people that just love babies. They just are so excited about little babies. They'll travel all over the world to find a little baby. And as soon as it gets born, throw it in the trash and let's go get another baby. But no, if you have a baby, you got a responsibility to that baby now to nurture it and care for it. The church hasn't done this. We just think if we get them born again, then everything's fine. No, we were not told to get people born again. We were told to go into all the world and make disciples And the church has not done what the Lord told us to. And so we've got lots of people that have been exposed to the Lord. And some of them are truly born again. Many of them aren't. I I don't know, but I heard Billy Graham one time say that he thinks that up to uh, 80% of people that profess Christianity are not truly born again. I don't know what the number is, but I would suspect it's a minimum of 50% or more of people that claim to know the Lord. They just believe that he exists and they think that that's salvation. The Bible says in James chapter two, verse 19, you believe that there's one God, you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. That is a sarcastic statement. You think that there's one God? Well, you hadn't done anything the devil hadn't done. But won't you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. It takes more than believing that there's a God and that Jesus is the son of God. You have to be a disciple. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, this is in John chapter eight, verse 31. If you continue in my word, then shall you be my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Only if you continue in the word. And those people took offense and said, what are you saying we'll be made free? We're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to any man, which is funny because they were Jews and they had been conquered by the Romans and they were all enslaved. And yet they said, we've never been in bondage to anybody. Sounds like people today when you say that if you continue in the word, then you'll be made free. And they said, what do you mean free? Man, I believe that there's a God. I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. And yet they're sick. They're poor. They're angry. They're divorced. They're having problem after problem after problem. They can't make anything in their life work, but I've never been in bondage to anybody. Jesus goes on and he says, whoever commits sin is the servant to sin, the slave to sin. You aren't free. You need to continue in my word. And they said, are you saying that we were born of fornication? Abraham is our father. And Jesus went on to say that, look, God could raise up rocks to Abraham. Just because you are his physical descendant doesn't mean you're a true Jew. A true Jew isn't one who just goes through the outward motions and stuff. It's a matter of the heart. He says, you're of your father, the devil. (laughs) In John chapter eight, verse 40. And you know who he spoke this to? If you go back to John chapter eight, verse 30, John 8, 30 says, this is what he spoke to those who believed on him. People believed on him. 
if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They got offended. And he said to those same people in verse 44, you are of your father, the devil. People who believed on him, they were of their father, the devil. It takes more than just a passive acknowledgement and a belief that he exists. You have to follow it through with actions. There needs to be a heartfelt commitment to where you make Jesus your Lord. And we've got a lot of religious people today that don't truly, truly know Jesus. They know about him and they're assuming that association with Christians and things of God makes them a Christian. Sitting in a church won't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage and make you a car. If you're a car, you ought to get in the garage for your own protection. If you're a Christian, you ought to go to church. But sitting in church doesn't make you a Christian. And there's people that are deceived on this because the church has been making converts instead of disciples. The Lord never told us to just lead somebody to a commitment and that's it, period. You get them in the front door and then you start discipling them. It's hard to tell if a person really means from their heart the words that they profess when they say that Jesus is their Lord. It's hard to evaluate that. Only God can see a person's heart. But you know what? I can tell, I may not know if they truly believed when they prayed, but I can tell you if that person continues on in the word and if they start showing, man, they get delivered of these things that were bothering them. And now they're walking in love instead of hatred and they're putting other people first instead of putting themselves first. When they become a disciple, I can tell you whether or not they truly know Jesus. It's obvious. And yet there's lots of people that profess the Lord that are mean as a snake, angry, bitter, hurt, hurting other people. And yet they say, I'm saved. Well, that's doubtful. But I can tell you when you start acting like the Lord and you start seeing the power of God operating in somebody, I can say, man, I can tell that person's saved. You can see the power of God in their life. And the Lord called us to make disciples, not make converts. And this is one reason that we have so many quote unquote Christians in this nation. I forget the exact figure, but I think there's 45%, something like this, that claim to uh, go to church on a regular basis. There's 60 something percent of Americans that claim to be born again. And yet if you look at the way people vote, They only vote for people who are consistent with scriptural values somewhere around 15, 20, 25%. There's only about 25% of the population that in their actions, in their voting, in their lifestyle, reflect Christian values and yet 60 something percent claim that they're Christian. There's a large section that aren't truly possessors. They profess, but don't possess a relationship with the Lord. And this whole problem has come and we've got millions of people inoculated thinking that they're saved. So therefore they aren't pursuing anymore the Lord and we've inoculated them against the gospel and they're going to hell. And it happened because the church has not been giving understanding. We haven't been explaining the word of God. We haven't been making disciples. We've just been bringing people to a very superficial acknowledgement that God exists, that you need God. So call out to God. 
And that's not all there is to salvation. It's as simple as that. It can happen that easily, but it's not automatic. How do you tell? Well, I can only tell when a person starts radiating and reflecting the life of Christ in them. And that's not true of most people. Amen. Quiet in this Presbyterian church. You know, I know that these are sobering thoughts, but I'm telling you that this is the way the kingdom works. He's telling us how the kingdom works. And if you can't understand, if you don't truly understand the word of God, the word hasn't gotten down on the inside of you. You aren't set free and you better run to somebody and let them wave their hand over you because you, if you get what you've been believing and what you've been sowing, it's not going to be good, but that's not the way God intended it to work. God wants you to know the word of God. He wants it to get past your understanding and down into your heart. And once that happens, then the word of God just supernaturally begins to start bringing forth life. You know, we've got a rock on my property that's much taller than this. It's nearly a hundred feet tall. This is probably 30 feet or 40. It's more than twice this tall. It's a huge boulder. And yet on the top of it, it's got a place where it was hollowed out, got some water in there, started trapping dirt, a seed got in it. And a tree took root and it's splitting this huge boulder. This boulder is half the size of this room. And this tree is splitting this boulder. A little tiny seed. Man, I could take a jackhammer and work the rest of my life and never split that boulder. And yet this little tiny seed has germinated and it's splitting this huge boulder. All of that power was in that seed. That's awesome. And did you know that these seeds right here in the word of God, if you could plant them in your life, I guarantee it could crack cancer. It can crack ALS, sugar diabetes. It can break your depression. The power that's in this word is awesome, but it's got to get off of this page and on the inside of you before it releases any life. And the key to that is your understanding. If you don't understand the word, then it is never going to release its life. This is powerful, but it doesn't do you any good until it comes off of this page and on the inside of you. There are people that reverence the Bible. I was in a woman's home one time and she served me some tea and I set my cup on top of the family Bible. And man, you'd have thought I cussed or did something. She just... And I said, what's wrong? And she says, you set something on top of the Bible. And I moved it real quick. And you could see the ring on dust where it, <laughs> she reverenced the Bible. She never read it, but she reverenced it. <laughs> There's people that have this attitude towards the Bible. The word of God is living. It says in uh, Hebrews 4:12, the word of God is quick. That means alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's not, this Bible isn't powerful in itself. It's the words that are in it. And you have to take those off of the page and put them on the inside of it. This is a representation of the word of God. And it's an accurate representation. I believe down to the last jot and tittle. I believe it, but I could tear pages out of this Bible. I hadn't changed the word of God. I hadn't desecrated the word. I can set a coffee cup on top of it. It hadn't changed the word. It's only the word that you take and plant in your heart. That's going to release life. You could lay this Bible on your head until it makes you flat 
on the top of your head and it's never going to release power. You can carry it under your arm and it'll never release it. You can hold it up at the devil and the devil's not afraid of this Bible. He translated a lot of them. (laughs) The devil's not afraid of the book, but he's afraid of the living word that this accurately represents. A lot of Christians are kind of like vampires. You ever see a vampire movie where, you know, they hold up a cross or they hold up a Bible and the vampire just flees? I think that's so, of course, vampires are stupid in the first place. It's just stupid the way that this is like magic. You hold this up and they flee. That's stupid. Devil's not afraid of the Bible not the words. He's afraid of the truth, the real Bible, the living word, but it only comes alive when you mix it with faith and put it in your heart. And it's only what you have on the inside of you that's going to set you free. I heard a man one time say he'd rather leave home without his pants than to leave home without his Bible. Because if he had his Bible, he could believe for another pair of pants. And I understood what he was meaning. I agreed in principle, but you know, technically that's not correct. Because if you don't already have the word in your heart, if it's not a part of you, it's not going to help standing on the street corner in your skivvies saying, uh, well, man, where was this scripture? Uh, no, that's not going to work. You got to already have it on the inside of you. Amen. It's only the word that you have in your heart. That's going to set you free or set anybody else free. Man, you got to make this yours. If the things that I'm saying are true, which they are, then you know what? This ought to set the course for the rest of your life. You ought to say, man, I need to know the word of God. You need to get revelation and you need to start seeking God. I had one man come up to me this morning and he said, thank you. You have made the word of God come alive to me. Man, I think that's one of the greatest testimonies that I could ever get from anybody. You need to search the word and let the word start living on the inside of you. And I guarantee you, you can't do this and win all of the trivial pursuit games, know all of the trivia, know everything there is to know about sports, be up on all of the American Idol and everything else. I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong in himself. Nothing's wrong, but I'm saying that it's going to take some quantity time, not just quality time, not just a 10 minute devotion you're going to have to start spending huge amounts of time studying and pouring over the word of God to get this understanding. Now you can take, I've been studying for 43 years and you can take my teachings and it'll help get you started in a direction, but you, you know, it's not going to be good enough when the devil comes knocking on your door to say, well, Andrew said, the devil will say, Jesus, I know, and Andrew, I know, but who are you? It needs to become your revelation. You can use my teaching and other people's teaching to get you started in a direction, but you need to know the word of God. You need to get to where you never have to quote me or anybody else, but you say, here's what the Bible says. God's word says this. And when it takes root on the inside of you, that power will start being released. Just like that little seed in that boulder. Man, it'll break whatever it is that's got you bound up. It'll break you out of your prison. 
The word of God is super powerful. And there are promises in here for every situation. There isn't a single person that has a situation that isn't covered by the word of God. There is a seed in here for every one of you. If you don't know what it is, start praying and asking God to direct you. Ask other people for direction, but get in the word of God. Renew your mind by the word of God. And I guarantee you, you'll be transformed. All I did was get through the introduction to this parable this morning. Man, the meat of it is yet to come, but we'll come back tonight and we'll get into this. And this will help you if you really get hold of it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you aren't born again today, you need to be born again. And like I was saying, you need to become a disciple. But the first step in being a disciple is you must make Jesus your personal Lord. You must receive the salvation that was made available to you. That's not all that there is. Man, there's a whole life that you need to go on. But you must be born again. If you have never made Jesus your Lord, you need to receive that this morning. And then if you are born again... But if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and these gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as speaking in tongues. I believe it's possible to have the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues because I did it. I had the Holy Spirit for three and a half years before I spoke in tongues, but that's because I was a Baptist. And I had been taught that it was of the devil. And I was so afraid of it, I wouldn't let God do it. And I found out that he doesn't just force you to speak in tongues. You have to reach out and take it. You have to pursue it. It takes a step of faith. And I just wasn't willing to do that. I was afraid it was going to be me doing it. The truth is, it is me. It says in Acts 2, 4, they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. But I can testify that once I started speaking in tongues, it was powerful. It is essential. And you know, the things that I'm talking about tonight, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is to teach you all things and to lead you into all truth and to bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever Jesus has spoken unto us. That's John 14, 26. The Holy Spirit is sent to help us understand. You cannot truly understand the Word of God and the things of God apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And when I received the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues, I tell you, it just made my understanding explode. You need this. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you need to receive that. Is there anybody here today who would say, I either need to be born again and or I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this gift of speaking in tongues? Anybody here like that? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Yep, there's hands here. People still that need to receive. Praise God. We saw about a hundred people last night, I think, receive the Holy Spirit, but praise God for these. If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand, but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward? And we want to pray with you and help you to receive right here this morning. Praise God. Let's praise God for all of these. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Awesome. There was more people than this that raised your hand. You need to come forward. Some people are afraid. What are you going to do to me? We're going to pray for you and give you a free book. What a deal. Amen. Nothing to lose. Everything to gain. 
Praise the Lord. Anybody else here want to come and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Wonderful. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? I know some of you think, well, they don't do this in my church. That's the reason I'm not in your church. (laughs) But I tell you, they did this in the Bible. And if you'll receive it, it'll change your life. Praise God. All right, first of all, before you can be born, I mean, before you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says Jesus is the one who gave the Holy Spirit. So you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody here who's not absolutely sure about whether or not you're born again? Maybe you're one of those that I was talking about that you've always believed that God existed. You didn't doubt that Jesus was his son, but you've not really made a commitment of your life. You haven't really committed your life. The Bible says you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord. You have to turn your life over to him. Is there anybody here who's not done that? Or if you aren't sure if you've done it, we need to pray with you first. Anybody? Are all of you sure you're born again? If you were to die right now, are you sure you'd go to be with Jesus? Are you sure? I'm not trying to talk you out of it. You just got to be sure. Amen. Well, that's great. Well, then according to the Bible, you are already the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what he created you for. Some people teach that you got to get rid of all sin. You can't have any problems in your life or he won't give you the Holy Spirit. That is not true. If you could get holy without the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. If you got problems in your life, if you've got habits, man, that's a, you're a prime suspect for God filling with the Holy Spirit because he wants to give you his Holy Spirit so that he can release his life and power. So we aren't going to beg. It's not based on whether or not you're good enough. We don't deserve it. It's just a gift. So all we're going to do is just open up the doors of this temple and welcome the Holy Spirit to come in. And then I'd like to ask our prayer ministers to come up here and stand behind you. And we're going to lay hands on you because the Bible says that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. So we're going to ask. We aren't going to beg. We're just going to ask one time. And then we're going to lay hands on you and release the power of the Holy Spirit to flow into your life. And then I want you to quit asking after they lay hands on you, quit asking and just start thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit. Believe, trust him. He promised that he would. He said, if you be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we're just going to ask They're going to lay hands on you. And then I want you to start thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit out loud. And whether you feel anything or not, just take a step of faith and start saying, Father, I thank you. Your word's true. And I believe it. I believe that you have given me the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to start thanking him at that time after they lay hands on you and you start thanking God. I want you to put your hands up in the air because the Bible says when you lift your hands, this blesses God. God likes it. It's like when somebody sticks a gun in your back and you go, I surrender. It's your way of yielding to the Lord. So we're going to pray. They're going to lay hands on. You're going to start thanking God. And then all of us that know how to speak in tongues are going to speak in tongues because the Bible says you're glorifying God. You're thanking God when you speak in tongues. So we're going to start speaking in tongues and thanking God. And I want you to switch from thanking him in English to thanking him in tongues. 
and just start speaking in a language. And I know that this is strange to you. Most of you think, well, I don't know how to speak in tongues. What do I say? I've got a book that will explain this in more detail. Um, I'm not going to take all of the time this morning, but I can promise you that the Holy Spirit is going to start giving you an ability to speak in a language that doesn't come from your brain. It comes from your heart. It bypasses all of your doubt and your confusion. And it's, you're just speaking inspired by the Holy Spirit. The number one problem that I experienced and that other people have is they wait on God to make them talk. That's not how it happens. It's like when I spoke today, I believe God spoke through me today, but he didn't make me talk. It was me that spoke. I thought of it. It came out in Texan. It came out in my personality because I spoke, but God inspired it. It's the same thing when you speak in tongues. You have to make sounds, but believe that God is inspiring it. And I can promise you, after you get over the newness of it and quit listening to yourself, you'll find it just flows out of you and you can actually put your mind on something else. It's not your brain doing it. It's you doing it, but you're inspired by the Holy Spirit and it's really powerful. And this book will explain it in a lot more detail, but that's what we're going to do. You ready? That was a question. Are you ready? Amen. The Bible says these signs will follow those that believe. I want you to say, I'm a believer and I will speak in tongues. Father, I thank you. And right now, all of these have professed that they know you, that they are born again. So we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We just open up the doors of these temples right now. And Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit. We want your power. We give you right and authority to come into our life and to fill us with your power right now in Jesus' name. We lay hands on you and say, receive the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. We loose this power and anointing to flow into you. And thank you, Father, that right now the anointing of the Holy Spirit is flowing in them, that you are giving them these gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of speaking in tongues. We release this right now in Jesus' name. And thank you, Father, for this power coming upon them. Now I want you to lift your hands and thank God for giving you this power of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, every one of us right now. Thank you that your word is true, that we have the Holy Spirit. Don't shake your head no, you got to shake it. Yes, 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 we got the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Now, let's pray in tongues. Those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's start speaking in tongues. And those of you that are down here, quit praying in English and just go to speaking in tongues. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying, but your tongue will come out differently. You can't speak in somebody else's tongue, but it'll get you to talking. And once you start, don't quit. Just keep going. Don't worry about what it sounds like. When a little baby first speaks, it doesn't sound like a language, but that parent knows what that baby is saying. You can't speak in English and tongues at the same time. Let's quit speaking in English. Just speak right now. Be bold. 
This may not sound like much to you, but what you're doing, you're bypassing the doubt of your mind and you're speaking out of your spirit. Boy, this is powerful. I know that you don't fully understand what's happening, but this is the the Holy Spirit is bypassing your brain and you're praying out of your spirit, man. It's powerful. It releases something on the inside of you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for filling all of these with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Let me have your attention here for just a moment. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want you to know that whether you spoke in tongues or not, I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit. It's like a pair of tennis shoes. They all come with tongues. Amen. I believe God gave you the Holy Spirit and you do have the ability to pray in tongues, but you have to understand some things just like I was teaching today. And I've written a book that explains all of this. Nobody had more trouble speaking in tongues than I did. But you know what? I can speak in tongues with the best of them now. I pray in tongues a lot. And so even if you didn't speak in tongues, I believe God gave it to you. You just need to get some understanding. I've got a book that I'm going to give you and it will really help you. What you've experienced here, I can guarantee you is more important than what you understand or feel right now. It really is important, but you've got to understand it to get the full benefit of it. So if you would, I wrote a book about this that I'd like to give every one of you. And we've got Ashley over here, the young man with the Bible in the air right there. If you would follow him for just a moment, he'll take you, he'll give you a book. If you have questions, they'll answer your questions, but we want you to get the full benefit out of this. So if you would, please follow them for just a moment. They'll give you a book and you'll be free uh, to return. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Praise the Lord. Man, that's awesome. I tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit changed my life. Totally transformed my life. It's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. These are our prayer ministers down here. And these are people that have been through a training. Many of them are Bible college students or graduates. Um, They're people that love God and they know how to pray. And if you will let one of our prayer ministers pray with you, we can pray for every person in here today that has a need. And you know, even though I was stressing how important it is for you to take the seed and plant it in your heart, I don't want to just suppose that every person is at that place. You may be in a crisis and you might need somebody to agree with you and help you not to substitute for what God wanted you to do, but just help you while you were taking the seed. So if you need somebody to agree with you, this is what our prayer ministers are for. So I'd like to ask you that if you need prayer right now to come forward, let one of our prayer ministers pray for you. We've got people standing at the aisles that'll direct you towards one of our prayer ministers so that everybody won't just line up in front of one person or on one side. If you need prayer, come forward right now. The rest of you, if you would, uh, let's wait just a moment and give these people an opportunity to get out and start. Also, I'll be praying with people. I called out some healings last night, saw some people instantly healed. 
as they were praying down here, I was up here praying and calling out healings and we saw some people healed and uh, we'll be doing that again this morning. So you're welcome to stay and pray with us. If you need to leave, you're dismissed. Remember that we'll be back tonight at seven o'clock, tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, tomorrow night at six o'clock. It's 6 p.m. on Saturday. And we have DVDs, CDs already duplicated. If you got a DVD from last night, make sure that you return it and uh, exchange it for a good one. We had a problem with our machines last night. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Father, we agree with all of these and just thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, they are healed. Every single one. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we release this anointing and thank you that your healing power is flowing through every single person, that miracles are taking place, that all sickness, all disease is gone. By the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. Tumors in the brain or in the head are being healed. Somebody's had tumors in your brain, spots on your brain. Who's this? If you've had tumors or spots on your brain, I want you to stand and raise your hand so I can see who this is over here. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just release this anointing. And we command those tumors on the brain to be gone, dissolve, leave right now. Right now in the name of Jesus. Well, there's the power and the anointing of God touching you right now. Those things are leaving you. Healed in the name of Jesus. This is a word of knowledge just specifically to quicken your faith. You've been standing and believing and yet you felt like you just needed a push. Here's that push right there and there's your healing coming. Those things are gone. And whatever the effect of that was on you, we command those effects to be gone. Thank you, Father, that by the stripes of Jesus, they are healed right now in Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. I believe that you're healed. It may take a brief period of time for your body to recover because, you know, you have to recover. It's like getting over a flu or something. You might be weak and it takes a while to get your strength back. But I believe that you're healed and your bodies are going to recover quickly. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I don't know how to express this, but the Lord spoke to me that somebody had a problem with like mold or something that has gotten in your lungs. I don't know how to describe that, but it's, uh, it's associated with mold, mold, and it's somehow or another gotten in your lungs. It's contaminated your lungs. It's causing problems. Who is that? I know you're here. Hopefully that's enough to explain things to you. Is this you? And here's another one over here. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just release your anointing. And whatever this problem is that came from being exposed to mold, I just 
Release your anointing and command them to receive this healing power right now. Command whatever effect this has had on their body to be gone. Body, you be free from it right now. Command all of this contamination out of their body. I neutralize it now in the name of Jesus. And Father, thank you that your healing power is flowing in their body. Thank you, Jesus. And if there's any symptoms, any pain or problems breathing or whatever it is, I command all of these symptoms to leave them right now in Jesus' name. Father, we agree and we receive a miracle. Amen. You receive that? Awesome. I believe you're going to see a total difference in your body. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. Father, we agree and we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody here has got a problem in your shoulder area. It's not your shoulder as such. It's this muscle area right here. Is this you, brother? Boy, he was quick to stand up. You knew that was you. Here's another one back here. Anybody else, if this is you, I want you to stand and raise your hand. Here's other people over here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just release your anointing right now and command whatever's wrong in this shoulder to be healed. Muscles, you be healed right now. Any damage that was done here, I speak the anointing of Jesus and command these shoulders to be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Pain, you be gone right now. Right there is pain leaving your body. I believe that that pain is gone, that now there's freedom of movement, no more problem. Whatever the problem is, we just speak healing over these bodies in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Do you agree? You receive it? I believe that whatever you had wrong was healed. You can begin to move around now and do things that you couldn't do before. Did you have pain, brother? Before we prayed, did you have pain? How is it now? Do you have pain? Nope. Feel good? Awesome. Isn't that great? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive all of these miracles. You know, the Lord's speaking to me that there's a woman whose hair is falling out. I don't think it's from uh, like chemotherapy or something like that. You just have thinning hair. It's a real problem. You've been praying over this. God's going to restore your hair. Who is this? It's got that, a woman with has thinning hair. If that's you, I want you to stand up and lay hands on your head. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just release your anointing. And I thank you that whatever it takes to heal them so that their hair does not thin out, but that they keep a full head of hair. I just release your anointing and speak a healing to them. Whatever it takes for that to happen, we release this healing into their body right now in Jesus' name. Oh, right there is the power and the anointing of God. You can feel the power of God flowing right through your own hand. And whatever it takes, your body is being healed, your chemistry's changing or whatever, and you're healed. I believe you're going to grow a good, full head of hair in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you and we receive this in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We just agree and we receive all of these miracles. Thank you, Father. Somebody's been having pain in your abdomen. I don't know what causes that. You may not know what causes that, but if you've been having pain in your abdomen, I want you to stand and raise your hand so I can see who this is. And here's the healing power of God. Father, right now for these, I just release your anointing and command this pain to leave. Be gone right now. I break this pain. You leave them and let them go. And whatever is wrong, whatever causes this pain, I speak healing to the root of this problem. Bodies, you be healed. Whatever is wrong here, I command it to be healed in Jesus' name and the pain to be gone and not to return. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for healing us. And we believe that we are free of that and it's not returning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Who's already seen the pain leave? Anybody? Here's one over here. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Anybody else? Did you have pain before we prayed? You got any pain now? It's gone. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Father, we agree and we receive all of these miracles in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I tell you, God's doing a lot of great things. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Praise the Lord. Isn't this great? You know, it's not only good to see these people healed, but it's good to see so many people that are just releasing the love of God, power of God into people. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree and we receive all of these miracles in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, it looks like everybody who wants prayer is being prayed for. I'll let you go. Don't forget to get the materials. And if you can, come back. Tonight is going to be awesome. I got some great things to share with you, some truths that will really help you. So if you can, come back tonight at 7 o'clock. God bless you. You're dismissed.